Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to David Locke. Coming up here momentarily, Locke's uh, appearance on the show, brought to you as always by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. Catch David on the call tonight. Tip-off will be at 5 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at, uh, wait, what did I say? 8 o'clock pre-game coverage begins at 7. Out from the plaza at Vivint Arena, Jazz Grizzlies game number two. Let's jump out to the zone phone. He is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He's our good friend, David Locke. What's going on, David? How are you, guys? We're great, man. Uh, how are you? Excited? Playoff time's fun. Let's get this one. Like, there was a wacky moment last night where you're watching the Lakers were down two, the Clippers were down ten, and I was like, oh, my gosh. In the next hour, the Clippers and Lakers could be, like, on life support. And, like, Portland's going to beat Denver. And you, like, your final four felt like it was going to be Phoenix, Dallas, Portland, Utah. And you were like, I, I mean, like, Oh, my. It didn't quite happen that way. The Lakers actually reminded us why they're so good in the next, like, few minutes after that. Um, the Clippers did not. But, it, you know, it felt like the door here, our door's not open yet, and it felt like the whole door was opening for them. So uh, it was kind of a crazy moment last night. we got to get the win tonight, though, or it all doesn't matter. Before we get back to the Jazz, David, uh, Jake and I have been talking about the Clippers. What What's your interpretation of what's happening there? Well, they really couldn't defend last night. Um, I think Dallas's offensive rating was like a 130 in the first half and a 120 for the game. Um, I'm sorry to do this, but my I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you things I do know and try to give you great insight, but I, I'm not comfortable that I have watched them closely enough or have a or what I, I really watched a lot of that Laker Phoenix game with the Clipper game on it multiple sets, but I didn't watch it in a way to, like, I couldn't be honest and have an answer for you. Okay. I appreciate the candor. David, a lot has happened uh, since Sunday night. Um, wanna get really? Your, yeah, I want to get your thoughts on the Donovan Mitchell saga and really take this wherever you want to go, but what do you think about what's transpired over the past few days? So, you know, I'm not, I've been in the league for 25 years. Uh, maybe more, but I don't want to admit it, so I think I might be at 28. Um, I mean, I've never seen someone come off an injured list, talk to the media, and then be deemed unplayable. That You know, you just don't see that. So it was certainly uh, – uh, that was, I think, had an impact on the game. I think it screwed up our guys a little bit. Um, and then I've never had a player hold a press cut. seen a player really – not never, but that 
we need to sash in the down and how it was quite something. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we I felt mean, the same thing. I mean, I, I'm sure that that's happened before. But honestly, like, that hasn't happened a lot of times where the guy's going to go play the next day for the team, right? You hear that kind of press conference on the way out. So, you know, whatever happened, I, I, I'm not breaking news here. It, it wasn't smooth. Um, and I'm sure everyone who's involved has the reason on why it happened. And I'm sure everybody involved um, probably, you know, had a had a reason for what they were doing and think that they, had, you know, that there was justified. And the fact of the matter is, the guy who was most important was left really mad, and that's bad. Is Donovan Mitchell the most? How should I say this? Is he the most powerful individual in the organization other than the owner? Um, well, I don't know. Why would it be other than the owner? I assume the owner is all-powerful. Why? Because he owns the team. So when Kawhi Leonard wants something, who's more powerful, Kawhi Leonard or Steve Ballmer? I would still go with Steve Ballmer. And by the way, it's a governor, not an owner. We want to get oh, parlance correctly. Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I, it's a, you know, I I think it's a, I think sport, you know, great players are really powerful, um, and your best players are really powerful because if you lose them, they're not your best player anymore. So I don't know who's more powerful. Um, I mean, that, it's an interesting debate. Like, so, like, I, I don't really want to. I don't think there's a lot of, you know, W's to earn from this. But, you know, so Donovan and Rudy are more powerful than whom? And if they want something, do they get it? And is that, you know, healthy or not? I mean, the beauty of Rudy is he lets Quinn really coach him. I think it's the beauty of Donovan too. Rudy specifically, you know, they really. You know, he's one of these superstars that's allowed, you know, willing to be coached. Um, you know, it's interesting you're hearing the grumbles out of New Orleans that they didn't love, you know, Van Gundy telling him how bad they were all the time. Well, you know, the guys, like, I could have told you that when Van Gundy took the job that that wasn't going to work out very well. It didn't work in Detroit. Players don't like to hear that. So, um, I, I don't know the answer to your question of, you know, who's the most powerful I mean, obviously, in a sense, the owner, or the governor, I guess, is the most powerful because he has the strings. But on the other end, like, Ryan Smith can do whatever he wants. If Donovan determines he wants out, like, Donovan's getting out. Like, we haven't had a, you know, if Rudy Gobert decides he wants out, he's getting out. We, there's not been a player that has announced they're leaving the organization that has stayed yet in, like, 20 years, maybe 30 years. So... Let me follow I, it up I, with, do you think this kind of dispute or confrontation uh, has the danger in it to move it <laughs> to, to, to a more dramatic situation? So there's no way to know that. Um, and in this, it's very hard to talk about something general with this specific situation taking place right now. Right? So generally in do is there a track record that disputes of this nature can linger? Sure, there's track record of that. Well, this one, I have no idea. Doesn't doesn't seem like Donovan was 
looking backwards in that press conference, I would say his main point of that press conference was that he was looking forward and, you know, wanted to be with his guys. You know, we lose the series, and we need, you know, is there a blame game that happens? I don't know. But, like, so let's go win tonight and not have to worry about it. A little bit, three more after that. David Locke is with us, and uh, I want to let's go back to the the game itself here for a moment. David, I'll run a scenario by you. Um, after what we saw in Game One, let's say the Game Two or any game in the series really is close. It's coming to let down to the last few minutes in the fourth quarter. The Jazz need a stop. John Morant has the ball. What's the best way to get a stop? You know, Valanciunas is a beast, and so when Valanciunas rolls to the rim. He's going to occupy Rudy. Like, that's a real issue in this series because it's it's awfully hard to have. We're small, and so you're going to ask at that point, either depending on where people are spaced on the floor, a smaller player to try to occupy Valanciunas, that's going to be tough. And if you look at John Morant's statistics, they're actually better when he's a facilitator than a shooter. You know, he's not a – He's made that floater against the Warriors, the Jazz, in key minutes, and it seems like a fairly, you know, less than difficult shot from six feet out. You're going to obviously try to bother it more. There's directions in which you'd like to point him. Uh, he shoots much more on one side of the floor than the other. Um, I believe he shoots dramatically more on the left side than the right side. So you'd probably like to try to get him away from that side if you can, and you're going to have to make him uncomfortable. But I, I, I don't know on the course of things, how far you can bring Rudy out to bother him because then Valanciunas is being guarded by a mini and that's not that could that's not gonna end well on a miss. David, let me ask you something about Donovan Mitchell that I know you've studied and you can give us some sort of statistical information on it. What is it that Donovan Mitchell brings to the table against the Memphis Grizzlies that's so important to this their success? How long do we got? <laughs> as long as you want to take. So, first one is the off-the-bounce three. It was five of seven on the off-the-bounce three against Memphis. They're going to drop the big. Rudy gets a hit on a guard, uh, and he has the ball in his hands. He, he, that's a shot that will be available to him. Um, and he was, you know, very good in the two games he played against Memphis with that. Uh, specifically with Donovan still having the ball in his hands, he brings a wiggle. When he, uh, in pick and rolls in which Valanciunas was involved and Donovan had the ball in the regular season, he scored about point and a half of possession or something crazy. Um, that's because as good as Valanciunas is, and as much as I just say it's praises, he is fairly static. And so he causes Joe Ingles a great deal of problems because he's big and long, and Joe doesn't have a lot of wiggle, and Mike is he's so big he causes Mike problems, but Donovan has that wiggle. And Valanciunas is not going to be able to go side to side with Donovan. The third thing he does, he brings a second ball handler on the floor at all times. The stretch of the game to me that was the most interesting where I thought we really lost the game, <clears throat> there's an eight uh, possession sequence where Joe, Joe Ingles is on the floor without Mike Conley. And, you know, for whatever reason, Joe Ingles does not touch the ball for eight possessions other than he touches it for a brief second on a soft pass from Jordan that he has to get rid of or he shoots. I can't remember which, but he, he hold, touches the ball for less than a second for eight straight possessions. 
he should have been the primary ball handler on those possessions without Donovan and without Mike Conley. Now, was Jordan wanting the ball? Was Dylan Brooks denying Joe? Was Joe not making? I don't know the reason why, but to me that was the main sequence. In that sequence with Donovan, Donovan's on the floor. Or Don, or Mike's on the floor in that time period. And there's another ball handler on the floor that will, so that if Joe's not touching the ball, at least they're getting something out of it. Um, so to me, that's maybe the biggest thing. He brings, he brings another ball handler. He also brings just unabashed one-on-one ability to beat somebody. And, you know, we don't actually have that. Like Boyan's in like the 17th percentile of all isolation people. Joe's not a good isolation player at all. Jordan's pretty good at that, so you can do some of it with Jordan. But, frankly, people are so well-prepared for Jordan. And Jordan's got something like 155 isolations this year and 20 passes. And teams know it. If I know it, they know it. So, he's, you know, Jordan needs a little variety in that for the playoffs to relieve some of that burden on him right now. It opened things up for him. And so as you start to kind of play through these, Donovan is just vital. Every key moment of that game – to me, when I went back through it, I mean, Jordan and Joe had two of the least good games I've seen them play. Jordan particularly had, you know, the last time I've seen Jordan have a game that bad was the first half against Golden State. He dropped, you know, 80 in the second half. Like, it's not who Jordan is to be have an off game like that. It just happened. Was it because everything was so screwed up before the game? Maybe. I don't know. But every single time I look back, 54-50, we're making a run. Crowds into it. Mike Conley gets his fourth foul. Donovan's on the floor. We keep rolling. Um, there's just a bunch of those moments in time, that sequence I just talked about. where So the list is endless on what Donovan uh, does for the Jazz. The other thing is he occupies Dylan Brooks. Like Dylan Brooks is going to guard Donovan. So now Joe can come get the ball, and Jordan Clarkson can come get the ball, and Mike Collins being guarded by a not-as-good defensive player. And, you know, with multiple pick-and-roll ball handlers, you probably get John Moran to pick-and-roll instead of Dylan Brooks, and they're not as good with John Moran standing in a pick-and-roll as Dylan Brooks. Is that enough? That's uh, that's good. I mean, like, we, we're missing our best offensive player. Like, it, it matters. David Locke like, is... The Knicks, without, the Knicks without Julius Randle get swept. Atlanta without Trey Young gets slept, swept, right? They're not great teams. But even on the top of it, like, other than Brooklyn... Like, I don't think, you know, Philadelphia's without Giannis or their best offense player, Chris Middleton, they're, you know, or Giannis, either one, they, they, they don't win those first two games. David, I know you've talked about this a lot, but I want to go back there one more time because I think it's so important. But Donovan comes back into the lineup. What does that do when Joe Ingles goes back to the bench and they can get the rotation that was so successful for them in the middle of the year? So the Jazz, at the end of the first quarter, into the second quarter, run a lineup that's Mike Conley with Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, George Niang, and Rudy Gobert. Think about that lineup for a second. It's two All-Stars, two six-men of the year, and a 43% three-point shooter. It's the last one, great. I think it's about plus 18 or plus 19 for 100 possessions. We've won game, we win most of our games from the first quarter, the second quarter. Um, and those, that... Or we win it at the end of the third, into the fourth. That's when we win our game. So that lasts the floor. Fact is, that lineup with Mia Oni instead of Joe Ingles in the first uh, stint was plus 10 in the first quarter, plus 6 in the second quarter. They were plus 16 when they were on the floor, and then they never really got back in the floor in the same rhythm because of foul trouble in the third, and they fell apart to open the fourth when they did get back on finally. Uh, so 
we never even had it. The other thing about Memphis that not enough people are talking about is their starting lineup in the final 11 games of the season with Jaron Jackson was a plus 19. Their four main lineups that have John Morant on the floor are all over plus 11 for 100 possessions. This team is really good. Their weakness is when John Morant goes off the floor and Tyus Jones runs the show and they're short on some pieces. That's the same time unless Taylor Jenkins, who is the most underrated coach, he's so good, uh, does something differently. That's going to be our best lineup against their least good lineup, which is what's happened in most games this year when we've had success. David And... After all that, Jake Scott, I realized I don't know a number I need. Okay. I've done more prep, and if you'd like to come see the 26-page book on Jazz Notes <laughs> for this series, I believe you're it. welcome to at the booth. But I just realized I need a new number, and I'll go get it a little bit. And that's what that lineup did against the Grizzlies. Oh, except I won't have it's only one game because Donovan didn't play the third game and Mike didn't play the second. So never yeah, mind. Yeah. I got every number I need. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, David, do you type that thing out, or do you just uh, handwrite it? Uh, it's all typed out, and there's two versions of it. There's the mass manifesto, which is built for every playoffs, and then there's the reduced version, which you use as the three things on every player I want to get into the broadcast tonight, and then the other stuff only gets into the broadcast if it comes up and is pertinent multiple times. But you yeah. have it easily if you need it. Can you work it in there that uh, Grayson Allen looks like a young Tent Cruz? Oh, here we go. Tim Cruz? Ted Cruz. He looks like a young Ted Cruz. Really? You th- you don't think so? You don't see that? I've thought that ever since All he was the research a you do, David, and you miss that. You miss that? Come on. There's certain people I like not to think about. <laughs> and he's one of them. And wait, yeah, Grayson or Ted. <laughs> Good point, Austin. <laughs> you guys, knock it off now, will you? Hey Grayson, he, he's turned into a good player for Memphis. Yeah, yeah he's, he's he plays an important role. David, let, let me ask you about the this whole thing. We saw Memphis in that game one, sort of get in the Jazz's face a little bit, a little physicality, but some trash talk as well. What's your opinion on that? What's the best way for the Jazz to show that they're tough uh, without getting in foul trouble? I don't know the answer to this question. I think it's a really interesting question. Like, how do you go out and be physical but not lose who you are? Like, there's a play that, like, there's a play that happened in the game the other night, and you can, like, I totally interpret it one way, and as I was doing that, I suddenly realized, like, oh, wow, everyone could interpret this differently. So I think John Morant gets a steal and takes it down the left side of the floor, coast to coast for a layup. Dylan Brooks sprint out sprints the Jazz on the play as well as there in case he misses it. Joe Ingles is coming back to get the ball to, for the inbound. And Joe Ingles kind of goes out of his way to elbow Dylan Brooks as he comes back the other way. I hate it. Shows me Joe's not thinking about the next play. He's bothered by Dylan Brooks. He's trying to find a way to get a hit on him. He's not, in my mind, I don't know, I'm not a player. Joe could tell me I'm totally full of crap on this. He's not thinking about what he's about to go do to stop their run. Now, the flip side, someone could say, is Dylan Brooks has been punking him all night. Joe got an elbow in on him as a way to say, you can't punk us. 
Joe did it in a way he didn't get a foul, and the message was set. So I have no idea, Gordon. I could be 100% wrong in my analysis of that, and someone else would see the exact same play and say, that's totally right. But here's what I do know. On the opening play of the game, Dylan Brooks met Joe Ingles at a half court and bumped him full-on chest-to-shoulder right out of the beginning. And then Ingles came down the middle of the floor, and Valanchunas bumped Joe. And then Joe started his route, and he got bumped again by Dylan Brooks, and by the time he caught the ball, he was 43 feet away from the basket. And he should have been 30 feet away from the basket. So I don't give a crap about anything other than catching the ball where you're supposed to. I don't know what you have to do. I've never played NBA. I've never had guys doing that to me. But the fact of the matter is you've got to be forceful enough that you don't lose the angles on every single play. Worth noting, Joe Ingles buried a three on the play I'm talking about. So that might really be the answer to all this is hit your dang shots. Well, with that, David, uh, we appreciate you jumping on the show as always. And, hey, look forward to see you. I'm going to come by and check out the manifesto. I'm going to get a good look at that. I don't, I don't know if you guys are going to ever let me back. <laughs> you basically asked me five questions. I told you I didn't know on four of them. It talked for like 13 minutes on the other. <laughs> it was good. No, 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 it was good. I oh. could be a, I could be. A, I could be an NBA GM with answers like that. <laughs> Did I hear a rumor that you're going to be up here with us for uh, for games three and four? Jake, it's so great to talk to you. Thanks for making me so happy. No, I I, I, I say that because you usually bring good dinners when you join us. Oh, here. nice. <laughs> you're a good teammate, will, David Locke. I will bring you dinner again, I promise. All right, buddy. Well, I'll get you. If you're going to be up here for a couple games, we'll... We'll 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 have some fun. I unfortunately think we are calling playoff games from a radio studio in television. Hey, it's a it's a weird world, man. You guys have done a great job this year. You really have. The broadcast still sounds great, and I know uh, you know it's it's lacking because there's just no replicating uh, you guys being there. But uh, I do think you guys have done a terrific job. I will I will say this: the other night was the most fun I've had in so long doing the game. I think it was. An incredible night for us, the healing out of the pandemic as a state, as a union, as a nation to have 15,000 people in mixed games and everywhere else. Coming out, that was the most fun. Um, I said this the other night, day on one of our shows, and I like curse the broadcasters should never say this. Like, I went back and actually listened. I thought we were good. I haven't thought we were good. It was just such a great night the other night. I know we didn't win, but just in the bigger picture of Utah society, normalcy, or whatever the new normalcy is, I thought that was just an incredible night. The crowd was amazing. The energy was fabulous. I loved it. I had, I had the best time here. You're here. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, David. <laughs> David Locke. And, of course, his appearance brought to you each and every week by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. We'll get to more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Time to welcome in Mike Smith, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. I sit here strangely calm thinking the Jazz are going to win game two. The Jazz are going to win this series in five or six games. Do you have that level of confidence in the Jazz right now? The answer is yes. I thought Jazz in six from the get-go. Two of my keys are, one is trust. you got to trust what you've seen for 72 games. Go be the team that beat Memphis three times in the regular season. And the other factor for me is Rudy's got to be tough. He's always 
strong on the defensive end. He's got to be strong on the offensive end. When Rudy's that guy on both ends, that changes the dynamic considerably. And he's got a tough matchup with Valanchunas. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point bell. All right, Jazz in action tonight. Game two of their best of seven uh, playoff series with the Memphis Grizzlies. Jazz trail one game to none. Grizzlies broadcaster Rob Fisher joined us on the big show yesterday. He gave his expectations for game two. I heard some stats that on open threes, the Jazz were like 12 of 41, which is crazy. That of their 47 threes, 41 of them were open. They're not going to miss that many again. So I think it's going to be very difficult for the Grizzlies. To win game two, I think the Grizzlies are going to have to play their best game of the year, and that's a tough task. Donovan Mitchell and that entire team is going to play with a vengeance. They're going to come out playing desperate basketball, and the Grizzlies are going to have to try and match that. Tip-off tonight will be at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 7. Uh, good news, Donovan Mitchell just sent out his uh, typical let's go tweet on Twitter. Uh, we knew nobody was on the injury report, but I think that pretty much makes it official. Donovan Mitchell will be back. Uh, this update brought to you by our friends at Mountain Land Supply. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Y'all ready for this? Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. want to remind you of uh, about our friends at Christian Roberts Mortgage. If you're going to uh, to work with an expert for your next home loan, you need to connect with the most referred lender in Utah, Christian Roberts Mortgage. <coughs> Excuse me. You okay? Specializing in jumbo loans. <clears throat> Swallowed down the wrong way there. Uh, apologies. Um, you heard me mention in the update, Gordon, Donovan Mitchell on his Twitter account putting out the let's go, which is typically what he does before games, you know, he's going to play in. So We're <laughs> looking for every, every cue possible. That's yeah. probably a pretty good sign that are, he's going to play tonight, that is. Are his shoes all laced up? Is he, uh, is he ready? What a weird week it's been so far. I'm telling you, every eye in the building Every eye watching on television is on Donovan Mitchell tonight. And what specifically? To see, just to see him play and the effect it's going to have on the Jazz. Okay. I, I thought you were getting at something else, like like how he responds to his teammates or something like that. Not not just how he's going to play. I, I, I mean, why? Do because you think he's there's pissed. A problem there? Yes, because he's, I mean, is he going to come out demonstrative? I mean, that's, I mean, of course, returning from a long layoff, I'm interested to see how he, uh, he plays. But I, I wasn't sure if you were getting at well, something I mean, else. It, the whole ball of wax. Uh-huh. Is a, does a wax come in a ball? The whole thing. Just everything about the situation. Donovan's the star. He's uh, He's been 
Uh, he was missed in the first game. Uh, we saw what happened with the either the miscommunication or the flat-out disagreement, which and it seems like it was the latter, not the former. And then now he's back. So uh, let's see what happens. Well, I expect him to play well. I mean, I, I after all of this, I really don't expect him to be on a, min, a minutes restriction unless he takes himself out. If he plays well, the Jazz win. Because if he plays well, I think his teammates will follow suit. Well, I think they'll win anyway. Even if he doesn't play well? Yeah. Really? I do. I think they should have won game one. And they played terribly. And they didn't have Donovan. What if they play terribly again? They could still possibly win. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I think the boost of energy that uh, the entire team will get tonight. And focus. I, I think they're going to be need to be focused. You're going to see them uh, having to get some defensive stops. I don't expect Rudy to foul out. And that, of course, was a big deal. Um was it Sarah? I think Sarah who brought up that uh, that Rudy did play sparingly in the third quarter, even because of foul trouble. You know, yeah. it's it's interesting how that stuff trickles back into the game. We think about the last few minutes, but it, it certainly affected the entire second half. And how many times have we talked about how the Jazz are so much different when Rudy's not on the floor? I know Derek Favors had a nice game, but Rudy is a huge difference maker. We all know that. Isn't that interesting how everybody has to qualify that? Because Derek is a fine player, and he's a nice guy, and nobody wants to. But well, uh, he did play. Well. I know, but how do they always put it? You know, Derek's great, but he, he's not Rudy Gobert. Well, <laughs> and it's true, <laughs> and, it's, and, it, and, it, and it really is. It's very true, but it's funny how everybody's kind of delicate with that. Um, but there's no player on the planet. You know, there's no insult to Derek Favors. You know, Rudy Gobert is the best defensive player on the planet. He's he's physically unique. He's mentally unique. The Jazz can play a unique style of defense because he is who he is. Mm-hmm. So if you pull that guy off the floor, there's not another uh, there's not another human that could actually duplicate what it is uh, what it is that he does. So yeah, it's important that he figures out his matchup with Jonas Valanciunas because they need him to figure out that matchup. But Derek Favors is a nice guy too. But he's a fine player. <laughs> he played great the other night. He did, but he but but. To, to Sarah's point when she joined us earlier, he's not Rudy. And yes. when it came to John Morant getting to the to mm-hmm. the rim mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter when they needed stops, Derek's not Rudy. No. No, no, no. no. And Derek did have a couple of nice blocks in that game, but he it's not it's it's the presence. We've talked about it yes, so many times this year. Have. It's the presence that just changes the way the other team plays. Yeah. It's the guy dribbling in and dribbling back out. That we or, saw or the ball going in and the ball coming right back out. And Rudy doing nothing more than shuffling his feet in that direction. You know what I mean? True. It is true. Yeah, it's almost like some players forget that he's there. And then they they realize, oh, there he is. Who was the guy? Was it was it on the Bulls this year? I think it was. I'd have to go back and look. But the, there was one young player, rookie, second-year player, I'm pretty sure it was the Bulls, who just kept taking it, Rudy. Time after time, oh, yeah, Rudy fed that. it. It was in, wasn't it in the Rudy nine block shot game? And I think five of them came on one player. <laughs> Some people learn a little quicker than others. I think, well, yeah, I think it was it Patrick Williams. God, that for, sound for the right. Bulls because Levine. It was the game where Levine had that really long, awkward TV shot of licking the inside yeah. of his lip. Oh, that was weird. And he had his shot got blocked early. He got remember? blocked once and then never returned. Yeah. <laughs> 
But the rookie <laughs> kept going back and back and back. And it was over the Bulls. Hang on, let me see if there's a box score here. Of course there's not. Why would there be? Well, but anyway. If you go to the schedule, you will find the box score. I know, but I Googled it instead. I've always Googled. <laughs> well, it's it's an art. Yeah. All I did was Google Rudy nine find, blocks. Here, you want me to find it for you? No, I don't. I got it. It's Patrick Williams. Is it? Okay. There you go. We'll take Austin. Austin solved the mystery. All right. Uh, stay, stay tuned. Uh, we've got more big show coming up. But first, it is that time. This the, everybody's favorite segment is back. That's right. It is time for twenty seconds of baseball. Austin. And now it's time for twenty seconds of baseball with the big show's Austin Horton right here on the Zone Sports Network. The bees are off tonight after having won four of six in Vegas. They open a six-game homestand against Round Rock tomorrow night. Former Mets manager Mickey Calloway has been placed on the IL ineligible list until at least 2022 after an investigation into sexual misconduct allegations against him. And the most overrated slugger in baseball history, Bryce Harper, is on the IL for 10 days. He's in the midst of an 0 for 16 slump of the dish. Wow! He hit the mark! And even insulted Bryce Harper. That was pretty amazing. 0 for 16. Uh, by the way, yeah, that's... that's- Poopy. That's rough. 20 <laughs> Seconds of Baseball brought to you by our friends at uh, Peach Building Products. For more than 25 years, Peach Building Products has been pro- uh, providing superior quality windows, doors, and customer service to the Wasatch Front. Call them today, 801-566-1255 for all of your window needs. There's but- never been anything as exact as what he just did. True. That was 20 seconds flat right there. Boom. Could you understand it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. You did talk fast. By the <laughs> way, it was it was Kobe White who Rudy blocked his shot five times. He went four of 12. You said it was Patrick Williams. They have several rookies on that team. <laughs> he was four of 12. He had 10 points in the game. and was It was three times, I think. And was minus 23. I think it was, I, I honestly think it was five of the nine five. were against Kobe White because he just kept going back for more. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> he was like the the card, you know, the cartoon boxing match when the guy keeps going down and comes back, and he's like, "Oh, you're coming back for more, huh?" That if at first Kobe you White. don't succeed, do it four more times. You mean he looked like the Fred Flintstone punching bag? That- <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> it just keeps popping. Man, that up. was quite the game. All right, stay tuned. More big show next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. It's a game day, 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Gordon, uh, you know, you can look outside, feel the energy, see the, see the people stirring. The early uh, the early comers are, are here, and you can see outside the window that uh, it's playoff time. It is playoff time, and you can see it. So will we see it out of the jazz? Why don't you stand up and bang on that window? See if you can get them to react. No, the, what band was that it? That, what band 21 was it? Pilots. That, yeah, yeah, 21 Where Pilots. Floyd got the crowd out there chanting and doing all kinds of flash mob. and yeah. <laughs> That was funny. Wait, was he was he modeling for them what he wanted them to do yes. and they would follow? Yep, right up here on the fifth level. Because they were wow. all camped out for tickets. They're, for like eight days, yeah. they were out there in their sleeping bags. Floyd was like Moses. It was going to his brain a little bit. It was weird. It was power tripping. It was. What weird. did he do? 
Uh, he made them like uh, scream, and then he made them like clap their hands, like the Over their the Icelandic uh, soccer team. And Didn't all he? He stuff. held up their little symbol for the band, the the hand symbol or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they'd scream, and then he'd stop suddenly, and then they'd stop. <laughs> and then we got him to start chanting "Window Guy, Window yeah, Guy." I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Did he grab his ankle and like swing his uh, his, his his leg up and down and back and forth, and they jump up and down? They what has just happened? I don't know. Should we hear from Joe Ingalls? He's not Please. a contortionist. Uh, let's get uh, here's Joe Ingalls, his media availability. He wrap his leg behind his neck earlier today. Hey, Joe. Uh, no, com- no comment. Preemptive, no comment. I like it. I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, the defensive effort in game one started off really well. I think, I think Memphis had 21 points about halfway through the second quarter, and then they really kind of got on a roll after that what what changed where did they fart where did they start finding success and and what do you guys do about it in game two i'm not sure where they farted if that's what you're uh, asking um, yes thank you <laughs> um i mean obviously the, i think they they had like something over over 15 offensive rebounds so i think that's a part of it um obviously our turnovers and and whatever it's called scoring in transition or points off turnovers or whatever you guys started as um, th- those two things are obviously um, things that we, we know and, and have for a, a good chunk of the year taken away from, from a lot of teams, um, especially the rebounding part. Uh, we've had games with turnovers before because we are unselfish and we, we try and move the ball and um, <laughs> Hey Trey. Um, <laughs> Trey was just in here too. Um but yeah, I think the, the offensive rebound and turnovers are two things that we can control a little bit. Obviously, the rebounding is something we need to, to focus on. Valentunas is down there a lot. Um, their guards kind of come in and tip them out or, or, or a lot of them are crashing at times. And, and obviously, the turnovers is, is um, like Anderson picked a few, like standing in front of us, just, just reading the situation of um, where we can, can have less. Like I said, um, I think coach says it a lot too. And, and our team knows that we, we do move the ball a lot. We, we understand that's at times going to kind of put us in a position that we do have some more turnovers, but majority of the time, if we can control the, the kind of quote unquote bad ones, um, the ones that lead into transition buckets is um, the ones we, we don't want to give up. So I think those two things can, can really help us. All right. Next up, Dana Green, ABC four. Hey, Joe, uh, outside of the obvious scoring boost that Donovan's going to provide, what else does his presence on the court just mean to you guys? Yeah, I mean, we've we've missed him out there, regardless of record or winning or losing for that last chunk of the year um, or quarter or however many games it was. Um, just miss having him out there, miss having him around the group as much. Obviously, it's it's different being around the group when you're playing compared to when, when you're injured or getting treatment or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, it'll be, be exciting um, to have him out there and um, get him back in the flow with us. And and uh, like you said, just to to have his presence out there, his, his scoring, his attacking, um, what he's done this year defensively as well. So um, as, a, as a whole Donovan package, um, it'll, it'll be nice to have him out there. Uh, we have Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. So with Donovan, I, I'm curious, uh, you know, it, obviously it was kind of a surprise to us that he didn't play in game one. It sounded like it was a surprise to most of you guys. Was it surprising to you? And then kind of how big of a deal was it? Was it a 
unusual kind of thing that it happened the way that it did, or, you know, it seemed unusual from our point of view, but maybe I don't know how it looked like from the players side of things. You're not in the rooms every day and we're not here. Thing, so I don't know. <laughs> and I'm not telling you anything. So, ha ha. Um, no, I mean, it was, obviously the not playing was a, a bit of a surprise. I think everyone um, said that, but again, I'm not going to, ever question the, the medical staff or, or their decisions because at the end of the day, they have the player's best health and interest. Um, like what, what, are, what does any staff member get out of holding a player out? So there's obviously no invested interest of them holding him out or playing. It, it doesn't make a difference for them. Um, so I, um, I'm not in those big boy meetings um, with, with the, the upper echelon, but um, yeah, obviously they, they felt that for whatever reason that it was, um, better to, to sit that one and, and obviously he's I'm assuming he's playing today I'm hoping he's playing today um, he's still available so um, yeah it was a bit of a surprise but uh, like again we we were I don't want to say like used to not playing with him but we had done it for that last chunk of the season so um, different for me obviously I assume coming off the bench versus starting um, for me it makes it doesn't make a big difference but it's a different like starting and coming off the bench is, is different so um, it, it is what it is. We're, we're past it. We've moved on. Obviously, he's available to play tonight. And um, again, we're, we're looking forward to having him out there with us. All right. And last question is Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Joe, talking to everybody over the last few days, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of pressure. You guys don't seem to be treating it like there's a ton of pressure to win game two. How does it feel? Um, I wouldn't say pressure. I think we, we expect ourselves to play better. Um, I think we know we didn't um, – I can't remember who asked the question. Like, we started out well. I think we were 17 to 25 or 22 or something at quarter time. Um, so, we started off decently. And, and, again, those things that I talked about with the turnovers and offensive rebounding and, um, yeah, just some just some things that we know we can control um, that is in our control. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can put whatever fancy 10-letter word on there that you want to put on to – to make it sound cool in a story, but it, it, for us, it's like, it's, we just got to go out and play better. We got to go out and play better, focus on the things that have gotten us to where we were at the, the end of the regular season, um, which obviously worked for us. Um, play that way, play that style, um, lock in on those things. Obviously it's a, it's a series. Um, so there's going to be adjustments as we go on through X amount of games. Um, and we'll do that. We, we've, we've obviously made some from game one to game two, which will, um, execute tonight and, and then we'll I'm sure no doubt whether we win or whatever tonight there's still going to be <laughs> things that have changed for, for games three and four so um, yeah we, we expect ourselves to play better um, we, we know we can play better and um, I'm, I'm confident obviously in our group that, that we can and that we can can change those things that we didn't do as well on whatever night it was a few days ago there you go that's jo- uh, Joe Ingles as uh, the Jazz get set for game two against the Grizzlies Yes, it is. I, you know, Joe wasn't was far from bad in game number one. But there's an extra gear. Yeah, we might see from Joe tonight. No, we didn't see his full repertoire. Right, and there were there were others that didn't play as well as Joe, but I still think we can get. And the Grizzlies, I was impressed with the way the Grizzlies were trying to jam Joe. He was definitely. You and I talked about this. He was part of the scouting report. Yes, he was. Yeah, he absolutely. They did not want him to get hot because they've. Well, people have seen what he's capable of once he gets it going. And uh, they didn't want to see it. And if he had done that, if he had hit some of those shots, the Jazz win that game. 
They only lost by three. Yeah. Uh, there was a point. How what was he was Joe was shooting like sixty percent or something yeah. crazy over a five game stretch. I've I mean, never seen. I've never seen. Well, I've rarely seen anyone play like that. But Joe was ridiculous. It got to the point where he almost did the Jordan shrug. Reminded you of when you were in tenth grade and showed up to play some fourth graders. <laughs> You have so distorted that story, you know. I was I was like one year older, wearing his Burger King trainee hat. Yeah, right. Hey, kids, I know I'm in eleventh grade and you're in third, but hoop it up. Taking an AP test okay, tomorrow. Hold on, hold on here. I rode up on my Stingray bike, and I batted left-handed, not right-handed. And I was not a switch hitter, and I still hit the grand slam. And if memory serves, right I think, off that tee, I think, right off the tee, I think the coach was pitching, if I remember. Coach pitch, so it was like second graders. <laughs> I was in third grade. You just said you pulled up in your Stingray. Well, yeah. we used to ride those bikes everywhere. Your Corvette Stingray. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> and then peeled out of the parking lot. See you at home. Well, well, I we, own a home. When you. <laughs> When Joe was shooting a 60%, he looked like I did against these youngsters. <laughs> I own a home. That was good. That is not true. All right. Stop stay it. Stay tuned. Uh, more next on the big show. I, 90... had like, I had baseball cards in my spokes. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, I'm going to slip on down to the plaza. we got a jazz game night pregame show coming up for you. Tim Lacombe's going to jump on. We'll be right out in front of the main entrance. I may go down and join you. You want to come down and join? I might stop by. Certainly welcome. Uh, it was fun having you for the pregame show the other day. And, of course, uh, hanging out with Coach Lacombe is always a good time. Yeah. Think always. jazz win tonight, Gordon? Yes. I mean, how can you look at this any other way? They have to. In my opinion, not not necessarily in yours, but I think this is a, a must win uh, if the Jazz don't want to put themselves in the vice grips. Well, vice grips isn't what you said before. You said before that they have to win tonight to win the series. And that's what I disagree I know, with. I didn't to s- put them in the I, vice grips, that's not controversial, being down 0-2 in a series. Whoa, jump back from that hot take. Did I say they could not win the series? You if said they, they have tonight? to win tonight if they're going to win the series, yes. And did I say that yeah, exactly? You did. All right, I'm sticking with it. You're going double it down. <laughs> That's why we love you. They have Jordan's to win. sticking with it. They All right. have to win, they win tonight. I think they will. You think they will. I'm assuming Austin thinks they will. As long as, barring something catastrophic, I, I expect them to play much better than they did in game one, and they'll go back to Memphis with a split. Yeah, I, 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 the Jazz are the better team. What else can you say? All right. I uh, want to say uh, thank you to everybody for coming on the show today. Locke, Sarah, Todd, thanks to Austin producing. Uh, playoff overtime. Stay tuned after the postgame show. Austin and Johnny Lightfoot are taking phone calls and uh, talking about the game. So it's going to be a late one for Austin. How are you feeling? We had a great uh, turnout after a game one loss on Sunday night, Monday morning. So I, so I would expect that after a game two uh, hopeful victory, I think the the Jazz fans will come out in greater force, even. Yeah, well, sometimes it uh, it stirs when when the disappointment is thick, even more than it does when the the win 
is in the column. Well, I think we'll have a great turnout, Gordon. Are you hanging around the whole time? Or are you gonna... I'm going home at 3 a.m. at the earliest, yes. Jazz game night kicks off next. Tune in for Jazz playoff overtime after the postgame tonight. <laughs> it's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.